Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Adam Coleman. Each year, I provide a personal finance checklist to all my mortgage clients with 12 different checklist items, which I break out into monthly segments. And the goal is really just to help avoid anything slipping through the cracks, provide a reminder to look into your finances on a regular basis. So some of the items are reviewing your budget, uh, kind of developing a spending plan, reviewing your credit reports, creating an estate plan and reviewing that on a yearly basis. And then just different things like that, just to make sure that you know your personal finances are on top of your mind. The last two of the items on the checklist are really meant to bring all that together. So November is really more of a deeper dive into conducting your annual mortgage review. So that's with me, where I go through and touch on the checklist items and then make sure I answer any questions there. But then December is really more about a reminder to do an annual financial review with a financial planner. So this episode of the podcast is really going to go into focus more on the financial planning review and the key items that several financial planners make sure to focus on throughout the year. So with me today, I have Brandon Cabanis, who is a private wealth advisor with Williams Wealth Management in Greenville. Uh, Brandon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, well, just to kind of jump into it. So how often do you typically meet with your clients each year? Typically quarterly. We find that four times a year is good to touch on all the financial planning topics that most individuals need to consider throughout the year. Do you have a separate like, or a specific sequence to how you do these? Like, Is each quarterly meeting set up based on a certain set of checklist items or does it vary depending on the client? It varies depending on the client. It's such a customizable industry <laughs> or focus with clients. They depending on their tax situation, you know, and what, what's going on in their lives, transitional life event, it really varies. I know every client's different, but what are some of the major highlight items where really, regardless of the client, you're definitely focusing on at least on an annual basis with them? Well, you have a savings plan. Each client has a savings plan. Most of the time they're accumulating wealth. And so for clients in that phase, it's important to make sure you meet deadlines for Roth and traditional IRAs and 401ks and, and make sure that they're maximizing their pre and post-tax savings. Any, any other items that pretty much everybody goes through? Like obviously taxes are a big one, the, the spending plans, the budgeting, things like that. I think you, I'm assuming you go through kind of like an investment review of so, some sort each year, or is that uh, yeah. kind of every other few years? Every year, for sure. I mean, and, and oftentimes it's quarterly. Each client has a different, I guess, tolerance for discussing investments and asset allocation and specific securities and how they're performing in the macro and micro markets. Um, so sometimes we're really focusing on life planning and what's going on in their lives. And then sometimes we, we do touch on their fears and concerns about what's going on in, in the world that might affect their portfolios. But we always at least annually discuss uh, portfolio uh, returns and how they're doing and how those returns relate to their overall comprehensive plan um, and meeting their goals. So it just really varies with each client, but we definitely touch on that at least annually. You mentioned the, the life planning side of things. What are some of the key life events that you really want your clients to mention as you're going through these annual reviews, just so you can better plan on your side? 
Yeah, so with the savings plan, you have different buckets that you're putting cash flow into to meet your goals. So things that might derail that plan would be major purchases, health events, the need to help out a family member that needs some financial uh, support. Definitely the unfortunate things too that, that can happen and, and come up, a loss of a spouse or divorce, or even just becoming, going into the next phase of life, like your become an empty nester or you move um, and transition jobs, those things can also mean that we need to take a closer look at the plan and, and adjust and pivot. Are those types of things that you're going through quarterly, like you said, or is there maybe one meeting that you kind of drill on more specifically to life events? It's really as they come up. I feel we're kind of like Sherpas guiding clients up a mountain and, oh, here comes a big boulder we got to climb. So let's do this together and, and, and map out the best way to get over it. So it really is as it comes along. But some things you can forecast if you know your kids are about to go off to college in 40 years, okay, you've got a big goal coming up and it's going to be a need for some, some cash flow and some big expense. So we want to go ahead and plan for that. Gotcha. You mentioned the portfolio review, and I know everybody's different when it comes to this, but are there certain things that people want to benchmark it against to see if their portfolio is doing well? Or is it more overall, are you seeing just in general, hey, it's moving up similarly to the market, everything looks good? Or do people get really granular with that and really map it out to certain things? No, that's a great question. We try to, depending on the client and their risk tolerance, we allocate the portfolios accordingly. And it's very important to benchmark with a similar combination of indices. So if they are 30% in bonds and 70% in equities, they need to benchmark against the similar index. So we manage portfolios directly and with individual securities, and we do use some ETS for fixed income and bonds. However, it's not always apples to apples and, and clients, uh, typical investors like to say, oh, the market went up. And when they speak of the market, they mean like the S&P 500, which is right. for the NASDAQ. And so it's really important to clarify, you know, what that benchmark is and uh, make sure that, that it, it really is old. You, you mentioned the tax strategy piece, which is obviously top of mind for everybody, especially year end, I think. Are there certain you know, key items that the typical person wants to have on their review checklist each year when it comes to the tax strategy piece? Well, again, it depends on which phase they're in. But if, if you're in the accumulation phase and you're, you're working and you have high earnings, of course, tax deferrals are, can be valuable. There's also tax strategies and portfolios. Uh, tax loss harvesting is one of those where you uh, make sure you take some losses against some gains or vice versa in order by the year end. But it, it really depends on their situation. And But we do often work with the tax advisor to discuss those strategies and implement accordingly. Does that change? I know it does, but uh, I'll get your opinion on this. How does that change when they get into the retirement stage? Are there major things that they should be focusing on uh, during that review on the tax strategy? That's a good question. A lot of times clients have a misconception that they're going to be paying a lot of taxes in retirement. And really, it, we, we've seen that it's not very high. And then, you know, depending on their other income sources, pension or portfolio distributions, you know, their tax rates usually are not very high. So 
it's actually um, a good time to think about uh, gifting strategies. Um, you know, if, they, if they're taking required minimum distributions from IRAs, they can make gifts to charities uh, using those IRA dollars. So things like that, I think it's legacy planning and estate planning are really more the focus from a tax standpoint in that phase. Is that when you're typically getting to like Roth conversion conversations as well, or is that happening usually years before? You know, Roth conversions are interesting because I've seen it across the board. I've seen it when clients are in the younger, even in the accumulation phase, they're like, yeah, I want to go ahead and start putting these dollars into from IRA to Roth so that, you know, they're tax-free in retirement and they're willing to pay the taxes at that time. And then a lot of times we're seeing, like, again, as a legacy plan to just shift in, in retirement years when their tax rates lower, go ahead and shift dollars from Roth or from IRA to the Roth in order to provide this bucket of funds for their heirs in the future. How about estate planning? How often are you kind of going through that with people? Is that on a yearly basis? I've heard every few years is fine on that too. So I was just curious what your thoughts were. Really every three years or so we will review that. I think that it's more something that they do with the attorney. We don't actually write the documents, but we definitely right. have the discussion of, okay, you, do you have the, especially the, the healthcare power of attorney and the directives all set up correctly. We re review beneficiary arrangements on IRAs and annuities and make sure those, and life insurance and make sure those are correct and how they want them. You know, life changes and things change and sometimes you, you want to update who's going to receive your money when you pass. A lot of that comes up during the life planning piece of it anyway. So you'll notice that and think in the back of your mind, oh, this also affects estate planning. So I need to have that conversation when it comes up, I'm assuming as well. We also can work with the estate attorneys to discuss their plan. And I've even right. gone to meetings with clients to help them get that established. But we just, it's more, again, guiding the process. Perfect. Well, no, and that's, that's a good list for, I think, Everybody, I mean, pretty much has to focus on all of those things. So I know everybody's different. Are there any other checklist items that you maybe focus on with other clients that maybe you're kind of outside of the norm or maybe niche clients that you focus on each time? Well, a couple of things. I don't know that every advisor maybe thinks of this, but because I've been in that, this scenario as a caregiver, I always ask about the parents, really, no matter, you know, what their age if it's young clients, it's like, do your parents live close to you? Do they plan to live close to you? Like, what's the, the strategy for caregiving in the future? It's, it's an important discussion because sometimes the child is going to end up needing to financially support parents, or if not even that, they're going to need to care for them in some form or fashion. So it's important to bring that up and to ask those questions and, and help them prepare for that role if necessary. The other one it would be, I've, I've worked quite a bit with divorced clients that are either at some point in that transition, very early stages or in the final stages. And so that requires another checklist and process for uh, their planning because it's a kind of a starting fresh discussion when it's an education and just a, a good bit of, of handholding and working with their attorneys in the process. Yeah, that, that takes a whole separate checklist right there. We, we talk about divorce planning a lot on this show, so we, we know that there's tons of intricacies that go involved with that. Jumping back to the, the caregiving thing, are, are there 
Are there certain planning pieces that you discuss? What are the methods, I guess, for people yes. that have to go through that or want to pre-plan for that? Right. So I just recently met with um, actually my aunt, uncle, um, and their and my cousins um, about this very discussion, this very topic. So I think that it's it's better to have the harder conversations earlier than to wait until something happens. And so that was sort of the, the discussion we had was, okay, who's going to be the financial power of attorney? Who's going to be the healthcare power of attorney? And what do they need to know in order to prepare for that role if and when it's needed? And then also, what are the stages of care? So if the parents are, are living independently now, can they live independently in their home indefinitely? Or do they need to repair the house or, or set the house up for a situation where they can live there? Like if it's two levels, maybe it needs to be one or they need to change the shower or the hallways and be able to get around easier. And what would those costs be? And then we can plan for that cost. Um, and then the next stage, perhaps it's in home care. What are the costs there? What do we need to plan for? And then lastly, if they need to go into assisted living or long-term care, chronic care, what are those costs and what do we need to do to plan for that? So these aren't- What sort of age, I guess, are you focusing on of the parents, I uh, guess, or, or is it more health related? Yeah, typically we talk about that specific um, caregiving role when our clients are in their 40s and 50s because that's typically when that starts to come up with their parents, but sometimes it's earlier, um, sometimes it's later. Well, perfect. Anything else, any other kind of off, you know, off the wall checklist items that you kind of touch on? I guess business owners obviously probably have a different set of checklists. Any other clients that you think of that you work with on a you know, regular basis that kind of have different types of items that they need to focus on? You know, I think that one of the pieces that sometimes gets left out of these checklists is just the human element and the human side of planning. And it's really important to ask and listen to clients and find out what they really desire and want for their future, what they want their typical day to look like. Are they happy if they had $10 million windfall, would they stay in their job? So there's some questions to ask around what they really want and you can really uncover and guide them through the different phases of their of their life if you really understand what they need and want. So we definitely kind of dig in to that side of planning and make sure that we know our client, we know what they desire. A lot of times they're ready to leave their job and they just don't know that they can or they haven't right. entertained what that would look like. So we're seeing a lot of semi-retirement and um, setting up multiple income sources so that they can step away and have freedom and flexibility and choice over their day. So that's some planning work that is a little different than your typical work to 60 and like off. <laughs> so we're seeing a lot of sort of customized stage planning, life planning. It's a really fun strategy and discussion with clients. Well, well, this has been extremely helpful. I really appreciate you sharing all that. If somebody would like to have more information about you and your firm, what's the best way to learn more? Well, they can go to our website at www.wwmgreenville.com or Williams Wealth Management. We are a, a team of, of four, three advisors and our operations manager and 
yeah, we'd love to hear from folks if they, they need somebody to work with. Well, perfect. Well, I'll make sure to put the, the link in the description as well. Brennan, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks. Nice to talk to you, Adam. Thanks. Molly Ward offers securities through Equity Advisors, New York, New York, member FINRA, SIPC, Equitable Financial Advisors in Michigan and Tennessee. Welcome back. This is your host, Adam Coleman. And with me today, we have Molly Ward, who's a certified financial planner with Well-Lived Wealth out of Houston, Texas. We're continuing our discussion with financial planners about the key items that they focus on during their annual review meetings with all their clients. So Molly, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is a, this is a great podcast and you're doing important work. I appreciate that. Well, certainly we want to get as much information out to people as possible. So I really appreciate you taking the time. So again, we're just talking kind of annual meetings. Um, I say annual, but I know financial planners talk a little bit more frequently. So how often do you typically meet with your clients each year? Yeah, well, it's it, these client conversations are very important uh, to us as advisors to be able to guide the client. So formally, well, it depends on the complexity. Let me start there. It depends on the complexity of the client. So they're not all the same at all. And some have transitions they're going through or some have very complex financial planning. On the complex side or the transitioning side, that might be four meetings per year. And then on the very simple side, one review a year. Some check-ins during the year, but one formal review if it's very simple. Not many of our clients fall into that space. And then on the other extreme, four. But what's probably pretty normal is more like two, two per year. So two formal meetings, and then what qualifies as a check-in? Are these just email correspondence back and forth, or is um, there some more organization to it? We have an organized way of calling our clients uh, during the, the calendar year, and depending on the complexity of their situation, it might be once a month actual talk to them, or it could be once a year um, okay. besides that review. So it just depends. And then the other part of it, on our when we are on our more complex side, those four meetings are usually broken up um, with other advisors as well. So it might be somebody like you that specializes in mortgages, or it could be a lot of times it's going to be the CPA towards the end of the year to see what we can do for tax strategy or the estate planning attorney at one of the other meetings as well. Gotcha. Starting simple and then going more advanced. So simple annual review. What are the key items that you always want to focus on with each of those clients? Yeah, so the simple one, we're going to always start, well, in any of them, we're going to start with what's going on, what's the current financial situation, what changes have happened in the last year, whether it's income, account balances, there's some financial matters, or has there been a new baby born? We have a checklist of, of questions that we ask at different uh, phases of their life, and that's for the simple ones, as well as the complex. And then once we go through those questions and see where they are, then we're able to adjust their, we call it the map. And a lot of times, actually, the review starts before the actual meeting, and we'll send them their map in advance for them to review and, and any changes and making sure what they want to talk about in the meeting. So that happens before we even either are meeting virtually or in person. Those ones that we're meeting with four times a year, we have it, or two times a year, we want those to be at least one in person, uh, if possible. So once we get our information updated and what's going on in their life updated, 
uh, then we're going to be able to look at, we call it the crystal ball, look at the future. What's going on? Are we still on track with the financial plan or are we off track? Do we have to make some adjustments? I hope not. You know, if we have to say, you know, you have to spend less or you have to work longer, those aren't pleasant, but they're very helpful. So we do have to have some hard conversations. Uh, we're also going to look at the crystal ball, but then we look into, at the five, even on a simple one, we're looking at the five places of financial planning. So that's going to be protection. Are they insured correctly, adequately, you know, do the, that financial kind of fire drill? What happens if the breadwinner passes away um, or long-term care situations? So protection's a, a foundation of financial planning. And then we look at their investments. We review them, make sure they're on track. Then we look at tax strategy. And then we look at the state planning and then income planning. So if they're getting ready to retire or within five years of retirement, we've got to take a deep dive there and, and work through some of those details as well. Uh, an important part of that review is we want to make sure that that we're in good communication with the client. And have we? is there anything that we could have done differently over the last year for them or better? And that's a really important part uh, to see if we're communicating with them the way that they want to be communicated with, what questions they have that are unanswered. So that's a really big part of the review at us. It's a very collaborative effort. It can't just be us coming in and saying, hey, here's what you got to do, or here's the hot stock of the day. It's not like that at all. Well, what does that feedback usually look like from the client standpoint? Is it more that they want different correspondence methods or what does that look like on the well, like a real life scenario? Yeah. I mean, most of the time it's, hey, everything's great here. Uh, everything's going well. But then sometimes we'll get some feedback of, can you get, you know, our money to go up? The market's down. <laughs> we want to see our balances up. So that, that one's kind of challenging. I mean, we're used to that right. question and we know how to answer it and we know what to do, but that's a good, that's helpful for us to hear them say that because we know that we need to spend some time around that uh, investment talk with them. And then some other feedback that we'll get is they want to hear from us more often or less often. So that's helpful as well. You said one of the meetings was in person. Do you mean like physically in person or virtual face to face like this or? No, in person, in person at our office. Okay. Um, we do have clients that live that, that live out of state or they live in different parts of the state. So we will go, depending on the relationship, we'll go see them or they'll come see us. Nice. Well, you going back a little bit, you mentioned a blueprint that you, you have the client fill out. Is that mostly, you know, current income, like current assets, like they're just updating their current yeah. you know, financial picture or what does that look like? That's right. They're updating their current financial picture or if there are any new family members. Mm. And so it's who's important and then what's important on the money side. And, and it's kind of like a, it's a, envision it like a map, like a pictograph of their financial life. It's a income statement balance sheet, all in a very friendly format. There's stick figures on it. It's one page. So it can take a really simple or a really complex financial situation and just put it right there. And it's very visual. Is this through your financial planning software? Is this asset map or is this something? Yeah, similar yeah actually to that? It, it, we, we use asset map a lot. Gotcha. We use some other softwares as well. Um, and then the other softwares we have will aggregate the data. So we, we already know a lot of, well, we know what they have here. We have a, most of our clients have at least 70% of their assets or insurances here or more. So right. we already have a lot of information. And then we also have the feeds to their outside, maybe bank accounts or mortgages 
as well. So a lot of it's already updated. It's just a few fill in the blanks that we might need. Gotcha. Okay. So beyond the, the easier clients or the simpler clients, I would say, what are some of the other items that you like to focus on kind of on that annual or maybe more frequent basis for more of the complex situations? Yeah. So that one, there's, there's never a shortage of, you know, new financial kind of news or what's going on in the markets, but other really important stuff is tax strategy. And that is one that changes all the time. So for example, at the end of 2022, there were a lot of changes to the tax code in the SECURE Act 2.0 that are relevant to our clients. And so we're giving them updates on that. Hey, and this is how it affects you. And that here's some strategy for you to think about with it, not just here's what it is. We're giving some some real life advice that they really appreciate. When is the biggest time to focus on the tax piece? Like, are you doing it that year end or is it more before taxes are due in April for W-2 employees? And I'm sure a lot of self-employed borrowers just wait till the end. But uh, when is that typically happening for that meeting? Well, it's a really important piece when we're first setting up the plan. So even before the first review comes, we're positioning with that tax strategy in mind because you can't make a financial decision without having a tax consequence. So that's always part of our preaching during the planning phase. And then it's a matter of, hey, here's the, with, with what you implemented, here's what it did. This was the effect of it. This is how much it helped you. And, and make that, that, that they made that good decision so they weren't paying too much in taxes or, or they were ma- they're maximizing their what they could. And they appreciate that, even if it's something really small. Besides the tax planning, is there any other standard checklist items that you're thinking about for most people? Yeah, I mean, we want to make sure that we know about their, are there any big expenses coming up? We want to make sure we plan for those. We we also are wondering what's the next big check they're likely to, to deposit. Are they... Uh, getting a bonus, or are they selling a house or a piece of real estate, or are they receiving an inheritance? So those are good conversations as well. Are they contemplating a loan? So we want to know about that. We want to know, you know, if the market's been horrible, what their gut reaction has been when they see their their money down. We always ask that question, what have we not asked you? Because then usually, I mean, we have a whole list of questions, but sometimes we haven't asked it in the right way. So, so that question is really important as well as have you updated your will, you know, those sorts of questions as well. Estate planning, do you typically do that annually or is that maybe more three to five year time frame? Well, we want to know, do they have their will? And if right. so, how old is it? So if we already know that information, then the next review, it might be, okay, is it up to date? Should there be any changes based on changes in your life? But a real like sit down with the estate planning attorney is going to be when, if it hasn't been reviewed in a while, their financial situation is dramatically changed, or there's something that's changed in their family life as well. Maybe more specifically for somebody that doesn't have a financial planner that is still trying to stay on top of their finances, are there any other things that you see people miss that if they had gotten a financial planner, they might've caught it? Well, I think financial plan is for anybody. You don't have to have a, a whole lot of income or money to have a financial plan. So I think an important part to somebody that doesn't have one is that this is ongoing accountability to help you grow your wealth or protect your wealth or to leave a legacy with your wealth. So 
if there's no plan in place and no behavior to follow that plan, then I don't know what the outcome will be. We can cross our fingers or we can have a plan. Well, and I guess that brings up another question. So some people do more of an hourly or subscription model with their financial planning. So they're not having their assets managed by somebody else. So if, if that's the type of financial planner that they're using, how often do you think it would be smart for somebody to utilize their services? Because they're usually thought of as kind of a one-time thing in a lot of cases. Uh, yeah. Do you think it should be semi-annually? Should it be at least annually or even more frequently uh, on yeah. those types of advisors? The kind where they're, it's like a, a financial, they're paying a fee for a financial plan, but that planner is not investing their money. Yeah, basically like an advice only situation for yeah. those because it's it's not as, I don't think the structure is built in as much as it would be for a money manager, a wealth manager like you are, uh, where they don't necessarily have those quarterly right. meetings right. planned yeah. out. Like, do you think a lot of it falls on the client to kind of set that initial thing up of like, all right, I need to contact this hourly planner. Yeah. Is it an annual thing? And then thing, I have to pay think? for that hourly planner. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We do both. We're in both worlds. And what we find is the ones that don't implement with us, they could use a little bit more proactive, like you said, on their side, because they don't know. And then, and then they aren't reaching out when there has been a change or they just don't remember to. But what typically happens is we'll do the financial plan for anybody, regardless if they're on that type of model or the other kind of model. And a financial plan usually will have about 20 or more recommendations on it from tiny things, at least ours will, tiny things to big things. That's overwhelming. So right. I don't see how somebody that does a financial plan just one time and never talks to the planner again is going to get those things done. We like to break it up. We put a, a list in front of the client as we're going through the recommendations so they can rank those 20 things okay. of, of what's the top priority for them. And then we help them say, okay, over the next three months, we're going to take care of these three things. Over the nice. next year, we're going to take care of these five and help them break it up into those phases. So hopefully if it's somebody that isn't going to be in a continual relationship with us, they know they have their marching orders, they have their to-do list, and then we right. hope to make it easier for them because what good is that plan if they haven't followed any of the recommendations? Right. Well, and they get overwhelmed and then it's just a lot of stuff to try to work on without the, the handholding. So I certainly could see that to be the case. <laughs> well, this has been perfect. I really appreciate you taking the time and kind of sharing all that with us. If somebody wanted to learn more about you and your firm, what's the best way to, to track you down? Well, th thank you, Adam. Our firm's name is Well Lived Wealth, and that's our website, www.welllivedwealth.com. And please visit and you can contact us through there. We're in Houston, Texas, but our clients are all over the United States. So. Perfect. I'll make sure to include yeah. the link to the website in the description as well. But uh, Molly, it's been great. I appreciate you taking the time. Okay. Thank you, Adam. Thank you.